What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And welcome to day one of Homies Shark Week. Dun 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 yeah, we're very excited. We've been looking forward to this since we first discussed it, which was probably like a couple months ago. So we've been looking forward to this. Had planned picked out all of our movies that we're just super excited to talk about throughout the week for anybody who maybe hasn't seen the social media post yet or just hasn't quite heard us speak about it basically all the rest of this week is going to be shark week with the homies so we have our regular episode today and then every day following this we will be coming out with mini episodes covering some other shark movies potentially fall to the cheesier side uh just since they're a little bit shorter episodes mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about anything too too good because y'all know we need time y'all know <laughs> we like to have the full time to talk about those movies we don't like being rushed yeah yeah we like to dive dive deep for those so you know but yeah we're really excited to discuss all of the movies that we're talking about t- this week but in particular I'm really, really excited to talk about Jaws today. Yeah. Um, because we have a little bit of a we have a little bit of history with Jaws. We do. We do. Uh Jaws and subsequently uh Big Boy Bruce have mm-hmm. uh they've they've become a staple actually for us if you've been following um at least for like our Twitch streams or in mm-hmm. some like social media posts. But uh, yeah. somewhere along the line, homies. Sharks became our mascot. I don't know how it happened, but it just kind of did. Yeah. Sharks became kind of our unofficial mascot. Just to let, you know, since it's Shark Week, we'll let some of you guys in on the joke, the little jokey joke, even Mm -hmm. if you weren't there. Basically, if any of you guys have seen any of our merch, we have a shirt that says, but can they beat Bruce? This is something that came up when we were doing a Twitch stream. We did a a ranking list of horror movie villains and i don't know about halfway through doing the list somehow bruce got in like the very middle and then every villain that came after him it was like but can they beat bruce like that's how we started <laughs> rating them and it just became a thing now we anytime we compare horror movie villains it's but can they beat bruce can they beat a shark and you know what it it still stands. It's kind of <laughs> it kind of works. It really does. It's a great metric to work off of. Yeah, it is. And so you so ever since oh gosh, I don't even know when we did that. Was that Halloween? That was Halloween, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, ever since then, we've been like, well, now we need to cover jaws. Now we need to cover jaws. Mm-hmm. And have been putting it off. And now is the perfect time for us to cover it. And by association talk about Bruce even more. And and for anybody that doesn't know, because maybe there are some people that don't know, uh, Bruce is the name that 
Steven Spielberg gave to the animatronic shark that portrays the shark in Jaws. Yeah. So its name is Bruce. Yeah. The the name of the actual creature that they use to shoot is Bruce. The shark in the movie is never named. So don't get confused by yeah. that. The, the shark is commonly referred to as yeah. Bruce. Shark is shark, but Bruce is Bruce, you know, mm-hmm. like the ones you, that get it, get it. If you know, you know. You know, you know, yeah. And now you know. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. (laughs) Knowing is half the battle. But let's go ahead and dive in. Oh, actually, before we dive in, let me Mm -hmm. get my scuba, let me take my scuba gear off. We ain't ready quite yet. Oh, that's right. Before we dive in, we wanted to have uh, some knowledge to throw at you guys as well. So every single episode, we're going to hit you guys with a homie shark fact just to keep things a little spicy. And maybe you'll learn something about sharks that you never knew before. So, uh, Roshane, why don't you hit them with the shark fact for this episode? Sure. Why not? Since we're talking about Bruce, how about we do a great white fact? Um, according to a 2008 study, Great white sharks have a more powerful bite than most jungle cats with their jaw clenching measuring out at almost 4,000 pounds per square inch or PSI, which is four times stronger than most tigers or lions. And I know that sounds scary, but don't worry, homies, because the odds of getting bitten by a shark are one in 3,748,067. Actually, more people die by fireworks every year than by sharks, which, you know, 4th of July came up and I bet you on that day, more incidents happen than happen with a shark in a year. So don't worry (laughs) about it. I mean, worry, but like not too much, you know. Which is kind of ironic because this movie takes place around 4th of July too. It was kind of fun. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's what Brody should have been worried about. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not so concerned with what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't the fins, yo. It was the fireworks. It was the fireworks all along. And you know, homies, the gag is that for real, for real, sharks need to be more afraid of humans than humans need to be of sharks. As a matter of fact. Peter Benchley, the author of the novel Jaws, of which the film is based on, expressed some regret for the way that he wrote about sharks. He felt he indulged in the present fear and false belief about sharks. He is quoted to have said, what I know now, which wasn't known when I wrote Jaws, is that there is no such thing as a rogue shark which develops a taste for human flesh. No one appreciates how vulnerable they are to destruction. What he's referring to is after the book came out and gained popularity, there was a bit of an influx of a shark panic that then went away. However, that got reinvigorated once this movie came out and was a wide success. It legitimized the hunting of sharks for many people. They thought that sharks were these cold-blooded killers and so that were hunting humans. And so they found themselves eradicating an evil, which obviously is not true. That's that's but that's the way that things can be portrayed and presumed from the film. They found that the population of eight shark species declined more than 50% from 1986 to 2000, which would have been a time where people who had seen this movie when they were a little bit younger and had grown up maybe were going out. But also two sequels of Jaws were still coming out and there was a boom of 
shark horror movies after the success of Jaws. Peter Benchley, after all of this happened, ended up spending the rest of his life advocating for oceanic conservation because it is so important to sustain the population of these different shark species and also to let the knowledge be widely known that sharks are not a threat to human life or the human population. They're not going out picking out humans like they're picking berries, which of course we all know now because we have the means to look those things up. But of course, back then you can just pop on the internet and say, are sharks like bad? So just something to think about, especially as we go through this week, talking about movies that focused on sharks as cold-blooded killers. Fictionalized versions of sharks are just that, fictionalized. And if you are still afraid of sharks, understandable. However, we as humans pose much more of a threat to them than they do to us. Uh, But all right, let's go ahead and hop into the movie. So, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, like we said, we are going to be covering Jaws from 1975. This movie was directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, based off of the novel Jaws from Peter Benchley, and is starring Roy Scheider as Brody, Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper, Robert Shaw as Quint, and Lorraine Gary as Ellen, with a special nod to the musical stylings of John Williams for the Jaws theme. It's summertime on Amity Island, and everyone is gearing up for some fun in the sun. Martin Brody, the new sheriff, discovers the remains of a shark attack victim and tries to close the beaches. But Mayor Vaughn and several of the local businessmen veto the idea, which prompts another series of attacks. Now, with a young boy dead and a murderous shark on the loose, Martin and the town must enlist the help of professionals to attempt to slay the beast. Insert ill-advised beach days, great white gobblers, and scruffy shark slayers here. Our film concludes with a sheriff, a scientist, and a hunter taking to the sea to face the beast head on. But the question still remains, can they beat Bruce? Also, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Roll credits. Now, can I just say, I guess I just, I did not realize this is rewatching this this time and looking a little bit more into it. It's the first time that I realized just how young Steven Spielberg was when he directed this. I believe he was 26. Also, this was so early on in his career. Mm -hmm. Only his second theatrical debut. Like he had only had one prior film in, in theaters feature film and theaters before coming out with Jaws. Which is nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Especially at 26 to create what would go on to be one of the most well-known movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You crazy? How dare you? How dare you be so good? 
rights, Stephen. <laughs> I'm proud of you, but Jesus. Yeah, I, I just, it never clicked for me before that how early on a in this his career this would have been and i think that's partly because i had i didn't watch jaws until a little bit later on in my life so i had seen more of his later films before Mm -hmm. i saw jaws okay so maybe that kind of threw the timeline off for me a little bit okay because i was going to ask you what your history with jaws was um if you had any Mm -hmm. yeah i think oh gosh i I think maybe the first time I watched it was potentially when I was in high school, if not in high school, when I was in college for no real reason other than I, I didn't have it on video or DVD or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I happened to catch it on TV one time from the beginning. Cause that was the thing is, yeah, sometimes it'd be on TV, but I didn't ever, this was a movie I never wanted to jump into in the middle of or at the end of i was like i want to see the whole movie so i did catch it on tv one time it's two hours so adding adding in the commercials it was long when i watched it but i didn't mind Mm -hmm. and that was the only time i had really seen it until today for for rewatching it for the podcast okay i i think kind of similarly for me um i know i've watched this when i was younger um my family aren't like huge cinephiles by any means so we didn't like necessarily watch through all the classics together but this is one that i think a majority of the people in my family have seen i haven't watched it to a ridiculous amount like some people have like i'm not like a huge jaws fanatic uh, but i do remember this movie being good when i was younger and it also steering up a fear of sharks for me just similarly mm-hmm. to everybody who's listened to the piranha 3d episode <laughs> uh, again screens were very screens were very good at deciding what i was afraid of back then and sharks and piranhas two things in the water i did not want to meet up with uh, yeah, Jaws was was terrifying. I still remember the first scene. It's kind of burned in my brain because of how visceral that shark attack is. I remember mm-hmm. being younger and being completely creeped out by that. Yeah, well, and I mean, shoot, this movie's rated PG, so I imagine, That's I imagine, nuts. and I, I'm like, maybe. I, I granted, this came out in 1975. I know that the MPAA ratings and what each one is defined as has changed since then Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it would still be considered pg but i imagine a lot of kids then who are adults now if they have fears with shark it's because they saw this when they were a kid because i'm sure their parents were like pj this is fun for the whole family And and then you get there and this is actually i feel yeah i would have been traumatized if i saw this as a child Oh, most definitely. And the world was traumatized. Like there was a huge uptick in the fear of sharks as -hmm. well as like shark huntings and killings after this movie because everyone was so terrified after seeing Bruce that they're like, yo, I don't fucks with sharks no more. This is a problem. Their problem. This is a problem. (laughs) Their problem that needs to be solved. But I think the thing that's so interesting about jaws and that doesn't necessarily hold up for the sequels is that it's just a shark at the end of the day Mm -hmm. it's based very much in realism in the sense of it's just about a shark not a super enhanced shark not a seven-headed shark like just a regular great white who is in its home the water is its home and 
it's not doing anything going against its nature. It's literally just living its life. And we just so happen to kind of be in the way for that. And I think that's what can be scary about this movie. But also at the same time, I think that's also what can be a reassurance in this movie is that it's not purposefully going for humans it's yes they're bruce in this movie it, especially towards the end gets played up as very vicious and aggressive and very intelligent however how are you gonna go on water and be surprised that the owner of the house is there like <laughs> yeah hi it's like you going came into knocking. Yeah, you came to my house. Like, that's like going to an art museum and being like, why the fuck are there paintings here? Like, this is their home. This is where they live, dog. You're, you're the one who came here. So I, I just think that that is something that's nice about this movie in the sense, I guess you can see that more as an adult as it's like, it's just, it's not malicious in any yeah. way. It's just that animal's nature. Yeah. And a lot of the death and the carnage is very, is very much avoidable and falls <laughs> kind of on human hands for a lot of these mm -hmm. people ending up in the situations that they end up in, which we'll get into later. But yeah, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of moments here where people could have made different calls that would have kept a lot of people alive mm -hmm. and not necessarily the shark's fault and more so um the fault of the vices of men in that mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. i know i completely agree but all right let's get let's get into the nitty-gritty then mm -hmm. Roshane, What's it? what is in your notebook all right well the first thing i have written down here is um in in quotations i'm not drunk cool story bro <laughs> oh okay <laughs> oh okay sure 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 yeah, yeah you you stone cold sober huh bro <laughs> he had it he had it for a minute there. He was running. That's true. He was running. He was trying to multitask. It was the slowing down. That's what got him. That's what got him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, homegirl was asking a lot to have this very drunken guy chase her halfway down the beach to their eventual skinny dipping mm -hmm. scenario. I guess it wasn't skinny dipping, but like their little swimming area was quite far away from the party. That they were at because the whole movie starts off with a bunch of kids like sitting on the beach having having beers having cigarettes just kind of hanging out and then we get these two characters that run off to um you know go have some fun go for go for a dip uh one of the characters ends up being too drunk and passes out on the beach mm -hmm. whereas our female character goes out for a swim and is the first unfortunate person to run into yeah. our boy bruce she was naked right I swear I saw some some plain back. She could have been. She some could pure, have been. Some pure back. I could be wrong. Perhaps that's what I Expect. assumed. <laughs> that I just was like, yep, she took all her clothes off. But I mean, you can check real quick. Oh, wait, yeah, that, that dude kind of looked like Titty. I think she naked. She may be naked. <laughs> PG my ass. But that's what <laughs> I mean. It's like things. <laughs> These scenes were different back then. <laughs> you could get away with a little bit of like side nipple in 1975. Oh man, as long as your guardian nipples and severed legs in the PG movie. Yeah, as long as your guardian was there to cover your eyes during know, those right? explicit moments. But yeah, this I, my first note is one of the best openings ever. Yeah, it's truly just so good. The one of my uh, John Williams's score 
A. And this film is delightful and is just so memorable, so influential. It makes this movie for sure. But I will say one thing I do appreciate about this movie is those moments of silence and mm-hmm. those moments of stillness. And we get a mixture of that in this beginning. And I love one of my favorite moments is it does a good job of building the tension A. Yeah. But I also will say this performance from a character who is basically the catalyst and although it's a very important part of this movie is has like less than five minutes of screen time i think this performance is just so amazing yeah because it's it's just so gut-wrenching the gasp that she get like the noise and that gasp that she makes from after she gets pulled under the first time that like mixture between shock and denial and that realization of I'm so far out here, what am I about to do? And I think that just goes for the whole thing because it's not like she gets pulled down right away and then she's gone. She gets fucked around with for quite a long time and it's that entire time you can just sense from her that she knows that she's probably gonna die. And she's just like screaming out to the abyss that she doesn't want to die. And it's just really sad because she has there's nothing she can do yeah and that's the touching on the real like the realism you're talking about before this first scene nails it and like i feel like for a lot of us this is what we assume a shark attack would would play out like you know like you would you'd find yourself in a situation where you're alone in the water it starts attacking and like what do you, what do you do mm-hmm. what do you do there's there's nothing to say, like to save you. She tries to grab onto the buoy. It clearly does not help. It's you know that this is probably your death and your demise. And God, that actress played it so well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't know. I kind of teared up a little bit. I was like, damn, it's because sad. it's just such a sad mm-hmm. death. And it's this moment of the this such a such a quick shift between from having fun and enjoying your youth and just being so free and going out for this moment that probably felt so exciting and you're on summer break and it the, it changes so quickly from her smiling and laughing and having a good time to all of a sudden everything is wrong. Just full and, shock and terror. Yeah, and there's just nothing you can do about it. But I think that that's kind of a thread throughout this movie. They play a lot with the happiness to sadness moments and the peaceful to pandemonium moments that happens a lot in this in this movie the shift between them and how quickly and how quick things can change and i just think that this is our first taste of that and yeah right away you are you are in it you get it and you also know i think that nobody in this movie is really safe it's kind of it's it's hard it's really hard to know in this movie even as someone who's watched it before i could not for the life of me remember who survived and besides you know like our main characters but when it starts to get into those more those extra townspeople death i Mm -hmm. couldn't remember who survived and who was okay yeah because they really they really put you in this air of unease especially when you know later on we get to like the big beach scenes where we have multiple people in the water at once. 
one thing I really liked is the fact that we jump into our main conflict very quickly. Uh, I like that we discover that there was a shark attack immediately after the shark attack happens and that it becomes a conscious choice to allow people onto the beach again Mm -hmm. um, rather than us kind of waiting around for another shark attack to happen to kind of like confirm our suspicions. It's like, no, we all know that there's a shark here, but because it's that quintessential situation of this is a time where tourism is abundant. They need people to be out and about. They need people to be having fun. It's the 4th of July. The mayor doesn't want to close down the beaches, mm-hmm. although all signs are pointing to you should. Close and it, co- it costs people greatly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is such a great plot point to work off of. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, too, because a lot of people say, you know, the mayor is the real villain of this movie, which, yeah, the mayor for a lot of this movie is aware that something is wrong and that something needs to be done and is kind of fighting tooth and nail to avoid doing what is the best option, which would be to just shut things down until we get the situation figured out. But what I will say that I really like about this character and the plot and the characterization of the mayor is and how he's written as a character is that by all accounts he's wrong but i also see where he's coming from because i i think that's the most obvious not to say that he's doing the right thing because he's definitely not but Mm -hmm. i see what he's like i see what's clicking up there i see his reasoning because they are a small town and i think that something we have all realized within these last few years is how much smaller towns and smaller businesses rely on booms in their business to survive to tread above water and i think the most obvious part of that is in that scene where brody says we're going to close the beach down it's not the mayor who the mayor doesn't even say anything after he says that it's all the business owners in this town because they're like we're not gonna fucking survive if Mm -hmm. we don't have any tourists like that's my life that's my livelihood the beach is what keeps me afloat how are we going to shut down how and what am i supposed to do if we shut down and like the mayor responds to that like he's like oh we're only going to shut down for 24 hours he is making a shitty decision but he is doing it because he thinks that it's the right thing to keep all of the people in his town he's like the few who may suffer are 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 going to do that for the better of everybody else is i feel like what the greater good and that's a shitty way of thinking but i feel like in his head he's like i have to keep these people yeah he's a a politician you know like he's, he's a politician he's a politician he does i think he does honestly care about the town but Um, his appearances are important to him and keep staying in everyone's good favor is important to him too. Yeah. Um, I will say that the, uh, residents of this town do be wiling out though. They do. That's (laughs) why I'm like, y'all, Amity Island's just kind of wild to be fair. It's kind of a wild place straight up. They're the ones who are, because yeah, the mayor's the one and we all know you put, you have, usually have one face to the news but he has a whole flock behind him yes, who are telling him to tell to tell the news so it's like it's the whole town they all out there <laughs> crazy they're wilding out because 
They're used to things the way that they are. It's been the same way forever. And now in their eyes, it's not, oh, there's a shark and that's the issue. They're seeing Chief Brody, this guy who came in from New York, it's his first summer, and he's trying to change the way that they do things. That's mm -hmm. what they're seeing. Yeah. Like, they're not even seeing, like, oh, there's danger. Like, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, how dare who's you? Who's trying to ruin yeah, my rah, life? Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rabble, 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 rabble. I, I, lo I love the line that's like, I forget who says it. I think it may just be um, someone in the background, but someone says 24 hours is like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote that down too. She's like, 24 hours? It's like three, three weeks. weeks. It's like cool math, but I get the sentiment there. Like yeah. I understand what's being said. It was just the moment. It was funny the way they said it. Yeah. No, it is. It is very funny because it's like I I understand what you're saying, but the dramatic. Like yeah, they're so dramatic. They go from zero to a hundred so quickly yeah. in this town. But but yeah, it's 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 crazy because I get it. It's the wrong call. It's, yeah. it's, it, I think that's what's so great about it, though, is it's, it is so inherently and so obviously the wrong call. But I think it's written in such a way where you can't totally blame these people for wanting to be in denial and wanting to be like, oh, they caught the shark, even though it's not the right shark. Like you can't you can't blame them for wanting to celebrate and say it's on. Let's do it yeah. and and kind of move forward with their lives because they're so scared that everything's going to fall apart if if they have to potentially shut things down and it's and it's hard too because then you have a character like mrs mrs kintner who finds out that they knew that there was a shark and they mm -hmm. never and they didn't shut things down and as a result her son has died and you have her who's understandably like y'all ain't shit for that and it's mm -hmm. and this is your fault but then at the same time it's like well but you probably would have been the first in line saying we can't shut the town down so it's like it's one of those things where people don't care until it happens to them which yeah. is just uh human nature basically. human nature and and the the practice was just that trickle down of information too right where yeah um the the shop owners the mayors the chief of police like they all know the the factuals about what's happening whereas a lot of the normal residents here probably know that there's something off with mm -hmm. the uh with the beach um they probably heard rumors that they were thinking about closing it down but until we get the the attack on the little on the little boy um it does it doesn't become a reality for them so they're not as concerned with it mm -hmm. and yeah it's just it's a, it's a human nature thing we've all seen it in in person now at this point where yeah. we we've seen how people react to change and dealing with fear so understandable now it's been it had been a while since i'd watched jaws but i had to say that uh quint's introduction oh. <laughs> into the movie Mr. Quint, you are uh, you are very you have an affinity for the dramatics yeah. and then wrote quickly afterwards. No part of me believes this person can defeat this shark. Um, like <laughs> in that moment when we when we first meet Quint, right, when we first when we first get that the screech and then everybody's looking at this fisherman guy. It's really a who the fuck are you moment? Because mm -hmm. I think if you've never watched Jaws before, or if it's been a long time, you don't like remember. I really sat there and thought, "Who the fuck is this dude?" 
It's so dramatic. My man has a flair for a over-the-top entrance, but also it's like, oh, why? If somebody did that to stop to try and draw attention, it would piss me off to no end. Why would you yeah. make the worst sound? Uh, uh, ah. It's not even the sound. It's the image of just knowing that they're dragging their bare ass nails against a chalkboard. There is no worse sound. It is uh, the only the only other sound that is somewhat as bad is like metal school chairs being dragged across the wrong kind of tile. Yeah. Floor. Yeah. And I hate the sound of like cardboard being dragged across like a floor too like have you ever heard cardboard be dragged a, uh, across like a garage floor or something i can't picture it in my head so this one may be an ericaism i'm not if sure y'all let me know <laughs> y'all let me know or when you try and take like styrofoam out of a cardboard box oh that sound is unpleasant that's an unpleasant sound i'm with you that on one that makes one makes me Sick. Yeah, that's the worst. And everybody always packs packages and stuff like with the styrofoam that fits just so. So it's just tight in the package. Tight enough for when you take it out, it scrapes the walls. <laughs> but yeah, Quint is dramatic and everybody knows him as a successful fisherman, but he specifically hunts, for, hunts sharks. It's yeah. kind of his thing. And so... He is the first person to make an offer to the mayor and say, you pay me $10,000, I'll bring you your shark. Yeah, like which the first is a huge leap in price, by the way, because what was the initial, right. like 3000 Miss Kittner makes her own, her own reward of $3,000. And mm -hmm. then, yeah, he ups it quite a bit if it comes specifically for the mayor, but the $3,000 offers to anybody who can just go out and get the shark. But Quint is saying, I will specifically find your shark if you give me $10,000. I won't sleep until I get your shark kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And the mayor's like, yeah, okay. Okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Which also too, Robert Shaw is British. And I don't know if you knew that, but- I did not know that actually. He doesn't seem it. The only time that I clocked it is he says demise instead of demise at one point. Oh, see, I, I just thought, I thought that was uh, sea shanty talk. <laughs> quint, quint speak. <laughs> I thought that was just the, the ye, ye old quint speak. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have been his British accent slipping out a little a bit. A little bit. Because I've never heard demise before, although I don't know if that maybe he just i don't know maybe that was meant to be a quint thing but that's the only time that i noticed he said something pronounced something a little bit differently but yeah you can't tell at all he is completely selling me as this captain sea captain yeah no nah, he, he plays that, he plays the role really well and again he, quint was one of the characters although he plays a very important role um that character was a little fuzzy to me during this watch i was trying to like piece together who he was again while watching it mm -hmm. and i will say the journey that you go on with him and like the characterization is so good because yeah. they don't give you a lot when you first get him like he has that introduction he's there and you kind of forget about him for a while until we need him again because we have mm -hmm. to go through this whole section of time where um I read somewhere that 
the conversation about capitalism is huge in this, right? And I do think yeah. it plays a huge role in terms of um, the choices that a lot of these people make because it makes so much fucking sense that once a public reward goes out there for this shark that every average joe with a boat yeah. would be taking to the water to try and catch this shark yeah. for three thousand dollars everybody and their mom all of a sudden has a spear and a bow knife and has a boat and they're all <laughs> setting sail at the same time that scene is so hectic but i love it it's <laughs> such a great scene of everybody just setting off and most people don't even know what they're doing they don't, mm -hmm. they've never, most people never hunted a shark. Why would they? So a lot of these people are setting out with no idea what they're doing, but yeah, dangle some money in front of them and they'll say, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, why not? I could be the one that captures this shark. Yeah, um, it could be me. That could be me that could <laughs> taking be that me. picture. <laughs> <laughs> in that shark picture and they're not wrong they do catch a shark some of them do catch a shark so i guess it's not totally out of the realm of possibility none of yeah. them are going to be catching that 25 footer though um but it is around this time that we also get introduced to the character of hooper who mm -hmm. can i just say i really noticed it this time around watching this movie but hooper truly wants the smoke from everyone yeah, Hooper's about that? that. Hooper is about his business. Don't talk about it, be about it. That's Hooper. <laughs> as soon as he steps up on the scene, he does not give a fuck. I love Hooper. I think he's I think Richard Dreyfus does such a good job um playing him because I like that he is about his business. He knows what he's talking about and he knows that he does. Yeah. And he although yeah, he is there to help. He's not going to let anybody walk all over him. He said, I'm the expert. And if you want me to help you, then you'll listen to what the fuck I have to say. Mm -hmm. And like, I like his relationship with Chief Brody a lot. I like the camaraderie that they get. I like him and Quince as well. I just think that his and Chief Brody's has more time to build than yeah. his and Quince. But I think the thing I like the most about Hooper is he is Yes, Quint is right to a certain extent that Hooper is a little bit more of the knowledgeable side. He's a little bit more of the like side of where you're not super in it, right? You're you're more like the research. You're not necessarily in there in the grounds. Yeah. He has been, but not in the same way that Quint has been. But he knows what he's talking about and he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But I I like when that gets characterized because he is quite anxious and he he does this like heavy breathing thing almost like he's gonna have a panic attack anytime mm -hmm. he's faced with these real life scenarios of actually having to go do these things that he's talked about but mm -hmm. he's now doing and i love those moments I, th I think that's where the charm of hooper comes from is <laughs> yeah. i think all of us know a hooper right yeah. like we all know somebody who has these mannerisms the this like very intelligent but kind of riddled with anxiety yeah like kind of skittish at times mm -hmm. but you know they're coming from a good and educated place i, mm -hmm. I think that's where you can find a lot of the the charm of his character and yeah i agree with you i like his relationships with people i'm just like yo he's picking fights with everybody dude he's ready anybody to who crosses him once in a sentence he's ready to fucking throw bows <laughs> like he right there is, in the moment 
he is ready to scrap and i'm really happy because i in the book if they were following the book one side plot that they were going to potentially do with hooper is that he was going to have an affair with brody's wife and he's was also supposed to die at the end of the movie glad mm-hmm. both of those things got scrapped because i just think that he's such a great character with the journey that we have with him as is he doesn't change a lot as a character but i don't think he needs to like i love the way that he comes in i don't mm-hmm. want him to change i think he comes in very sure of himself and sure of what he's gonna do and that just continues throughout and i think if anything he may be because i i don't i i think both with him and chief brody one thing that i really like about them is that they are so certain in the things that they know but i love the uncertainty of the things that they don't and i love that that's still consistent throughout like with chief brody he has never claimed to be a shark expert a boating expert he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing half the time on the boat at yeah, the he doesn't end. even like water he doesn't like he doesn't being out on the like water, water. <laughs> he's like he's just there because he has to be he has to ensure that this shark gets taken care of and i like that that still stands i like that he doesn't become an action hero throughout even at the till the end he's just my boys live him on a prayer the whole time. <laughs> and I like that that continues. It's kind of all luck that Brody even survives. Yeah. Like it's all just, it all comes down to luck. And I like that about him. He is someone who has come to a town that is expected to be quite boring. When he gets there, it's all just small, silly crimes. It's what little karate kids breaking fences and mm-hmm. and cars that have been abandoned. That's the kind of stuff that he thinks he's going to be dealing with all summer. And he gets thrust into this situation that he has never had to deal with before. And I like watching him navigate that situation. I think he has some really good ebbs and flows. And I, I love the moment when he is equally as excited when he thinks that they've caught the shark. Like he's yeah. stoked. He's and then th- he's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Because he's part of this community. And like they yeah. that's another thing that this movie does a fantastic job of is creating this community of Amity. Um I wrote down I actually this is one of the few movies where I love the boring shots, quote unquote, where it's just mm-hmm. people existing in the town because i think they do a great job of like really letting the environment feel full and alive and it makes it hurt even more when you see these people put themselves in danger because you kind of over the course of this movie become a part of this town you become a part of this community and you hate seeing them make the wrong calls Mm -hmm. um my favorite wrong call may be when uh miss mr mayor comes up like a straight mafioso um to old man <laughs> and is like hey please yeah. get in the water yeah <laughs> straight up forces his family yeah. to go swimming because nobody wants to swim after the kid gets killed like they they're okay with opening the beaches and they're okay with hanging out at the beach but everyone's still rightfully so kind of terrified to go in the water and he's like, it's the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. There are cameras here. I need it to look like this town is is Thriving. lit. I need everybody mm-hmm. out having fun. So get your ass in that water. It's, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And I like the guy's like, I just put sunscreen on. <laughs> or whatever he says. I just put on sunblock. Uh, yeah. No, I love those moments too. Those just 
those in-between moments are just really great, which I think is so important in a movie like this because that is what a lot of the in-between the shark stuff is just character building mm -hmm. and building up moments and tension. And because this movie is two hours. And so it could have been boring, but it's not. It's, mm -mm. Uh, it, well, first of all, because the acting in it is so good and the writing is so good. But also because I think by the time you get to that one hour point where it kind of slows down a little bit, you know these characters so well at this point that like you feel like part of the town. You feel like part of it as well. And yeah, I love those in-between moments. I love the one of my favorite boring, I guess, shots is when he's on the phone in the shack and his like deputy is outside. Oh, just yeah. Just smoking a cigarette while everybody's <laughs> freaking out around him. And then I also love the moment with um with what's her name that's his wife's name ellen mm -hmm. i love the moment with ellen when michael's in the boat and she looks at the picture in the shark book and it shows the shark crashing through the bottom of the boat and she's like michael <laughs> listen didn't you hear your father get out of the water like i just think all those moments are so nice and just feel so humanizing to the characters that by the time that you get into the later bits, you feel like you've come to know everybody and kind of mm. know their headspace. And so the actions that people take make a lot of sense and and you understand why they've gotten to that point. And so, yeah, you're hoping for the best at I think to, as you start to rear up towards the end. Yeah. And you're hoping for the town for the best for the town but i think that the group our group of three guys that we end up with on the boat it's like it's hard to know how that's gonna how that's gonna resolve how, itself yeah <laughs> um and i i like too that although the town and the mayor make the wrong call several times that after that second shark attack it becomes very clear what the mm -hmm. logical next step is to do. And I'm glad that the plot follows that. It doesn't fight against what yeah. at this point, everybody should be collectively like, okay, we need to handle the shark situation. Um, also the drama that is that sign the paper Larry scene between, mm -hmm. um, um, Brody, between Brody, uh, and Brody and the mayor. Yeah. Cause it's just like, sign it, sign mm -hmm. the paper. And like, dude, Again, these characters are wild, but yeah, I uh, but see, I love that scene too because I just feel like I like the layers of a lot of these characters because I think that's the first time that you kind of get to see the mayor's humanity and True. his realization that he's like, I did make the wrong call, and I get that, like I see that now, but there's nothing I can do to rectify what's already happened. Yeah. Like I like, I like his, I like what he says to Brody because you can tell he's not even in this conversation. Like he's still on the beach, if that may, like the mayor mm -hmm. mentally is still on the beach and Brody's trying to move things forward. He's trying to say, okay, let's fix things now. Yeah. And the mayor is still stuck in the decision that he made. And yeah. I love, I just love the line when he says like, my kids were on that beach too. It's, it's such like, a good, powerful line. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I'm truly sorry. And a pen, Larry. Pen. Yeah, a pen, you know. Because you're going to do what you do best. 
I'm going to sign this voucher so I can hire a contractor. I, I don't I don't know if I can do that without... Uh, I'm going to hire Quint to kill the shark. What? August. What? What are you talking about? Larry, the summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was... I was... I was acting in the... In the town's best interest. That's right. You were acting in the town's best interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this, and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. Martin. Martin. My kids were on that beach, too. And it's it's honest, too. You can tell it's from the heart. He's like, yeah, I fucked up. Yeah. He's like, it's my fault. I get it. Like, it's my fault. And and Brody at that point is like, yeah, but let's move on because now we need to make some moves. Yeah, and, and like, should, make some truly decisions. is hitting the fan too because like even Ellen's like, oh yeah, hey, you want to just go back to yeah. New York? <laughs> and it's such a cat. It was such a mm-hmm. throwaway line. I don't think I've ever caught it before. where she's just like, uh, I don't know if I wrote it down exactly what she says. He but it's just says. Like, he says, why don't you head back home? And she says, back to New York. Back to New York. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's such a throwaway, but it says so much about kind of the mental state of everyone in that moment mm-hmm. um, that it feels like a very reasonable catalyst to getting uh, Hooper, Quint, and Brody out on that boat, which is maybe my favorite section of the movie. Not mm-hmm. going to lie. Um, I love watching this relationship and dynamic with between the three of them grow and then ultimately see that go up against Bruce in the final confrontation. I think that that whole section of the movie is very well done. Yeah. The, yeah. Cause this, this movie really is broken up into sections. It's the Mm -hmm. town section and then it's the boat section. It's land versus water. Cause I Mm -hmm. think in the beginning, a lot of the stuff that happens, yeah, they're still on land. And so a lot of those attacks that happen within the water are due to circumstances that the townspeople don't know. And them kind of going out in the water and then being punished for that. And then the second half is completely on a boat. We're completely at water. There is no other option. Because that's the thing when it comes to these to shark movies is... You have to have a reason for people to be in the water. You yeah. have to have a reason for it to not just say, okay, I'm just going to run on land and I'm fine. Whether that be because the sharks can swim on land or because they're in a tornado, fine, sure. <laughs> or whether that be, you know, people are stuck out at sea for some reason. And I like that we have this understanding between these guys that. They are going out there and they are going to stay out there because they have a mission. It is up to them to solve the situation. But what I think is also smart is you have this character of Quint who is so hellbent on getting this shark. And as time progresses, becomes more and more sort of erratic about it that he, as a result, almost kind of locks them in place yeah and because i think if it was just brody and just hooper it would be very easy to say okay let's go back go back let's come back let's get back up and all that stuff yeah you need a quint you need an obsessive character to say no we're Mm -hmm. finishing this or 
I'm going to die trying kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I, I fully agree with that. And even the sequence before they go on the boat where like Quint kind of gives them the rundown about like, yo, we're out there. I'm the captain. That's mm -hmm. where my uh, opinions on Quint shift in terms of the there's no way this random motherfucker can handle this shark to. Oh, shit. Can Quint take down the shark? Is he is he the man? Is he the guy? He's a shark whisperer, allegedly. <laughs> he has like um a hundred shark jaws in Just his house. Plastered all around his his shanty shack. Yeah. <laughs> also, this movie's beautiful, by the way. I don't know if we ever yeah. said that, but this movie's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you kind of assume that because it's a Spielberg movie, but this is early Spielberg, and it's still looks phenomenal um yeah. all the land scenes to me look beautiful the water scenes i think are magnificent i think they capture mm -hmm. being out on the ocean so well to the point where i genuinely was getting seasick watching the movie you know what yeah and that's because yeah they film all of that second half or all of it really is is shot out at sea rather than doing it in a tank which is normally if you're shooting a movie you'll go into like a, a sound stage and you'll do a tank fill it with water it's easier to control um but no spielberg wanted to shoot it out on the ocean because he wanted it to look more realistic and yeah. uh, definitely i think that was the best call because i do think that you really do feel their isolation. You really do feel like, yeah, you are out in the middle of nowhere at sea. But I will say, I guess for him, it was a pretty rough experience. He had a really hard time being out at sea. And that's part of the reason that he didn't want to come back for a sequel because he didn't want to shoot out on the water <laughs> again. But it looks great. Yeah, it looks magnificent and it looks so authentic. But yeah, if you don't handle the sea well... You don't want to be out there. I got oh I got God. seasick, I think, for the first time like two years ago, like genuinely seasick. Mm. And it fucked me up in terms of boats. I'm I mm. I side eye boats now because I'm like, ugh. Being it's seasick is not fun. And they are bobbing and weaving in that water. They are <laughs> up and down. It they look like a cork in the middle of the in the middle of the water. So I can't even imagine being out there on the boat and mm -mm. now i do want to talk about the boys on the boat um here but <laughs> just backtracking a tiny bit too because we finally have now seen the shark because we didn't really get mm -hmm. to talk about that too much you spent you don't see the shark shark until about like an hour 20 minutes in um most of the shark stuff is pov which mm -hmm. This this POV that we now know as a staple of this movie was kind of a fix for the issue of the mm -hmm. mechanical Bruce sharks didn't work very well. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't really use them for too many scenes. They had to be very sparse about when they use them. So Spielberg opted to do POV shots instead just to honestly save time and be less of a headache. Um, it's just kind of funny how like a happy accident like that yeah. ends up evolving into something that 
people now reference in their films. I just think that that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, it was a huge, the whole thing with the shark, I mean, it was costing them to go over budget. It was costing them to go way over shooting schedule. Like it added on so many days trying to figure things out with this shark, mainly because they had used it in fresh water and it worked fine. And then when they put it in salt water, it like eroded the shark. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they had some huge issues, but it did work out for them because yeah, a lot of this, as the movie builds, so do your glimpses of the shark. And I think that was the best thing that could happen because I do think it makes the most sense that we don't get any real scope of the shark until the iconic, we're gonna need a bigger boat line. Like mm-hmm. that Which is- was improvised, did not know that. I'm gonna hey. I'm gonna openly say I was one of those people that did not know that that was an improvised line, and that is wild to me. Your boy Roy coming in <laughs> hot with the heat, and you know what's crazy is Roy, Sh- like Roy Scheider. The only reason that he's in this is because he was at a party with Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg was complaining about how he couldn't find anybody to play Brody, and he and Roy was like, "Well, why don't I? Why? Do, what about me? Like, why don't you just cast me?" And Steven Spielberg was like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i should do that and that's why he got the role and i mean i'm glad because he's great but yeah the we're gonna like that makes the most sense to that should be the first time that we really see the shark because and i think too because as an audience although we know that the shark they caught earlier wasn't the shark I feel like it's kind of nice for us to not really know how big the shark is at that point. Because that, to me, looks like a big shark. Yeah, that, that, it looks like it's still a large shark that they pull out of the water. So it makes sense that people would believe yeah. that that is the shark. That's a big boy. And so I think that it works really well for us to realize the scope of the situation at the same time as the three people who are going to be really battling this shark. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it ended up working out very well that we really don't see full body until, yeah, like the last 45 minutes of this movie. And then you're finally like, oh, shit, this is a big deal. It's a big old situation you guys have got here. (laughs) Now, question for you, going back to the boys on the boat. um, When we're doing our camaraderie scene where people are Quint and Quint and the boys are finally getting along. Was it just me or did it look like Hooper and Quint were about to make out? <laughs> I thought them boys were about to kiss. I got some vibes. I love that scene. It was the it was around the time when he was like cheers to your leg and then he was right, like cheers to your bodies leg. and stuff. I was like is this one of those what happens in the water stays in the water scenarios right now? <laughs> what's going, the, what's about to go on? This is the blueprint for the lighthouse is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie truly does feel like the lighthouse at sea. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great scene. I which... think it's, just, it, it's a great sequence because I think it was necessary. Like, I think yeah. we needed to form a bond between these three because the final battle was just going to be so it's going to be so taxing on all of them and like you need to feel for everyone here including quint like we need Mm -hmm. to make sure that if we lose any of these characters it hurts and i think that scene really establishes it and i feel like it's so important sometimes to have scenes like this in situations like this because i do think that that is realistic to life is at some point you do kind of have to step back and say damn this is crazy like even though they've been butting heads 
for the majority of their trip together. I do think it makes sense that Quint and Hooper would have a moment where they just step back and were like, let's chill, let's relax, let's decompress from this day that we've just had and just kind of have a little bit of fun because at the end of the day, you are in a very serious situation and Mm -hmm. you really have no idea of how this is going to going to end up for any of the people on this boat and so i think that yeah those moments are so necessary just to bring in compassion and to bring in a sense of like at the end of the day yeah we are in this together and yes of course it's a huge scene for quint yeah i love that that exposition dump monologue Mm -hmm. phenomenal well we didn't know our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. <laughs> they didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's... Kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. So good, which... Of course, his story is based off of real life event. It's a fictionalized retelling of a real life event. And it's just a great scene where Quint, it's basically a full monologue for him where you find out a little bit more about him. I think you understand much more about his vendetta against sharks and why it's such a serious situation for him and why he's so passionate about hunting them. And... Apparently, and I guess another fun fact is for this scene, they shot it twice. The first time they shot it, Robert Shaw said, well, since we're supposed to be drunk, let me have a couple real drinks before we do it. And Steven Spielberg was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he got super drunk. He blacked out, couldn't remember what he had done. And then in the morning, he called him and he was like, I hope I didn't make a fool out of myself. Can I do it again? (laughs) And so they did it like 7 a.m. that morning. They Mm -hmm. reshot it and used one of those takes from the reshoots, I'm fairly certain. But it's just so good. It's such a good retelling. And I think the thing about Quint, too, is I feel like this moment for him is like it's a bit of a switch for me where he is mentally because i think before this this is serious this is serious for him and but i don't think he is super hell-bent on 
doing thing, uh, on needing to do it right then, right there. And then this happens. And then it feels like after he tells the story, it almost feels like a switch gets turned in his head. And this feels like this shark almost represents to him that night. Yeah. Or or not that night, because I hope his, his that boat experience. sinking. Ha- yeah, that happened over like a, a couple of days. But I think, yeah, that experience he equates to this big shark that he's like struggling to take down. And it starts to feel like he he needs to take this shark down to feel like he has like overcome something or Mm -hmm. has avenged something whereas before it didn't feel like that before it just felt like another bounty and now it feels like this is his his moby dick kind of thing now this personal it's personal jaws I don't know. This, uh, yeah, I was like <laughs> trying to think of a, a like a little a little button yeah, there. Yeah, a little button there, but no, just Jaws. <laughs> Jaws the reckoning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets real after that after that evening and mm-hmm. even to the point where when they when um Brody has the idea to to phone for help. He's like, fuck this and destroys it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, again, going back to these characters are wild sometimes. This man takes a baseball bat to the communication saying, no, 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 no. This shark is ours. The man is, yeah, the man goes buck wild. And that's in that, and uh, see, and that was another, this is another scene too where everything's all, ooh, all good. They're singing that night. They're having a good time. And then the shark starts attacking and then everything goes to shit. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's another thing is Brody's like, I'm going to call for help. And Quinn comes in swinging. Quinn says, like, hell you are, bitch. <laughs> you bitch, you wish you were. <laughs> It's like, okay, sorry. But yeah, that's another thing that cuts them off from. Mm-hmm. So help. it's true. It truly is these three versus the shark, and only one side is going to win. And I love that the back and forth in the battle is you never really know who's winning because mm-hmm. it there's ebbs and flows. There are times where the boys in the boat are winning. But then is, there's times when they're clearly being overwhelmed by the shark. And I love that. I, I love the story co- choreography there of like that back and forth, that struggle to win. Uh, because even up until the very end, like Bruce is giving them a run, man. Especially mm-hmm. once, especially once Quint goes, which is a oh, brutal yeah. death, by the way. Oh, Going back to how did this shit get PG? I don't know. But Quint's death, it hurts. It does hurt. Quint's death is crazy because, yes, uh, at this point in time, Quint has kind of been built up as the kind of character that you are not supposed to like. I think in any other type of movie, he would be that crazy captain that you would be waiting for him to be taken out. But because they had done such a good job of of showing his different sides that I didn't I didn't want him to die. Yeah, he was doing some reckless shit and he really was fucking everyone over but at the same time it sucks when he dies especially because you just heard him say less than 12 hours earlier you've heard him say that if it came down to basically is that if it came down to it again he would have rather just drowned than like 
experienced what he experienced or have been eaten by a shark. Mm -hmm. And then he gets eaten by a shark in the <laughs> slowest manner possible. Like he he gets this this shark is like slowly sucking him in limb by limb. And it's such an unfortunate death because he's just like reaching for for Brody Anything, and like reaching dude. for help and he's screaming the whole time. Like he, You're all like, the cockiness, Jesus. all the sea captain, it all goes away because he knows it's the end and you get to see him human in those last moments and yeah. it is rough. Yeah. But oh, and when he's kicking his legs, he looks terrified. <laughs> he's <laughs> like so he's kicking his little legs. <laughs> he's like, don't eat me, please. It's so sad. But that, the the other part of that, too, is just like, although Brody and Hooper have shown themselves capable, at this point, you really feel like they still need him, though. Mm -hmm. Like, without him, how do they beat this shark? Right. Uh, which is why I do think it's a strong choice to have him die, most definitely. But it really puts our characters in a shitty, sticky mm -hmm. situation. Because, yeah. like, what do you do from here? Your captain's dead. This shark is ripping this boat apart. Like this boat is straight up sinking. Um, at that, uh, we we lose Hooper as mm -hmm. Hooper goes down in his little cage that he's yeah, so sure like, is gonna work. <laughs> Hooper's <laughs> hiding amongst the coral at this point at on the sea floor. Just I couldn't chilling. help but I couldn't help but laugh at that bit. The fact that my man Hooper just decided I'm a I'm gonna sit this one out until he's it's like, over. <laughs> I'm gonna wait this out and see what happens. He really did. He really just kind of excused himself for this entire ending and said, I'm gonna let them handle this. And then came back up when everything was safe. Right? This man popped up with the, did you did you do it? Yeah. He's like, y'all good up here? <laughs> he like basically peeks his head up just to make sure that the shark is, <laughs> is no longer up there and then sees Brody and is like, oh, thank God. But that's so, that's the thing about not changing the entire time. That's so in line with his character, yeah. I think. Like oh, after yeah. the attack in the cage, 100% Hooper would be like, safety that's all i care about i don't care about beating this fucking shark anymore yeah. i want to live i would love to live yeah because he he <laughs> i love the because could because hooper is so jumpy and skitter it like he consistently throughout this movie has a habit of getting spooked and dropping things that are important. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. he is entrusted to drug up the shark and then gets jump scared from behind and drops the entire spear to the bottom of the ocean floor. <laughs> that plan is completely just a wash after that. Yeah, <laughs> like, ruined. <laughs> But I'm like, done it before would. he even got to get done. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, and and Brody even told him he was like, the shark's gonna break that cage up in two, in two seconds, and he was right. But he's so sure, he's so sure that he'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he was, he was all right. But I do like because throughout this last bit, from the minute they get on the boat till the end, they keep they keep talking about these gas canisters that mm -hmm. are very dangerous can easily blow up and they're mentioned multiple times brody knocks him over at one point and he gets his ass chewed out and then they're also the thing that causes quint to slip because one of them rolls and crushes his hand and mm -hmm. then they that ends up being the thing that saves 
their lives because Brody throws one into the shark's mouth and and it kind of just keeps it inside of its mouth for some reason. And then yeah. he shoots it. <laughs> he shoots it and it explodes. I Yeah, I just love how the shark is like, I'll take this, sure. Yeah, maybe the shark just, Bruce just assumed he'd won and he's like, whatever. Throw your for gas the cancer at yeah. me. I'll eat, I'll eat this shit too. I'm going to eat you and your gas cancer. What's good? He's like, okay, sure. Maybe like how Quint has a bunch of shark jaws all over. Bruce has like a little den below. He just keeps souvenirs from all of his kills. <laughs> Scuba equipment that he yeah. stole. <laughs> and he was like, sure, I'll take this. Why not? And then Boy Brody gets another one-liner just filled with them in this movie with the smile, you son of a bitch, which good one-liner. Mm-hmm. It's solid. It's comes after a good uh, a, a good hard-fought battle. Um, really puts a button on that explosion. Yeah. It's a good one. It works. Makes sense for his character. And then, yeah, he meets back up with Hooper. They have a little moment of silence for Quint. And then they... Oh, and then they swim off together on a little raft, a little makeshift raft. And I love their little flippers flipping <laughs> through the water laughing. as we see them. <laughs> as we see them swimming away. <laughs> it's, you know, it's really funny. And it could just be because it's a Spielberg. But I love that despite all of the drama, despite everything that happens, um, that's more on the kind of brutal and scary side. This movie still... It still manages to uh, give you that whimsical feeling in a lot of Mm -hmm. places. And I feel like this ending was the best sort of button to everything. Like, you just saw so much brutality. You just lost such an important character. You just saw so much blood gore. And then the movie ends with two men on a makeshift raft, (laughs) doggy paddling away. Like... It's kind of having beautiful. a little conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I, yeah. This movie balances the light and the dark really well. Cause I think another moment that's a good representation of that is earlier, right after Brody just got told basically that Alex's death is his fault. And then he goes and sits and his son like copies all the things mm-hmm. that he's doing. It's so cute. Yeah. It's just a good, it's, it just feels, that's just another thing that feels really realistic is there's like the light and the dark because you have these moments of peace and calm and a breath and that feels really nice and that feels really great. And then it's mixed with these moments where things are just really crazy and heavy and hard. And because even there, it's yeah, at the end, it's like y'all just went through some shit, but I'm happy that the sun is out and that you're <laughs> on your way back to shore. <laughs> it's true. But, but damn, yeah, is that? I think that's it. I think that's Jaws. I think that's Jaws, yeah. Oh, also, guys, there is a dog death in Jaws. There that's is. one that I always forget. But you don't see it. I will say thanks for not showing that yeah, to Steven we, Spielberg. <laughs> so that's who I was yeah, thinking. I mean, it is his dog, too. So maybe that could also be a reason. <laughs> oh, is that his dog? Yeah, it's his dog. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we luckily don't see it happen. But yes, that's at the same time that Alex gets gets killed. And then, oh, and then I love, <laughs> one last thing I did want to mention is the scene that I was saying where I was like, I don't remember if they survive, is the two fishermen who are on the dock who are trying to catch, who oh, I think yeah. are our first two, <laughs> our first two who try to catch the shark. 
and immediately everything goes wrong. It's just a series mm -hmm. of unfortunate events for them. <laughs> I couldn't I was, remember if I he died or not. That they made it. Yeah, I could not for the life of me remember if he died or not because I was trying to remember if he was the fisher, the fisherman whose head comes through the boat or not. Uh, That's what I was trying to remember. But I was like, there's no way because there's two of them. But yeah. Yeah. I, like, I feel that. I feel it. But yeah. All right. Uh, ooh, this is going to be a doozy. What are we going to rate our first Shark Week movie out of, Erica? Mm, we could rate this out of... We could do... We could do fins up, maybe, like mm. how many fins we'd give it a shark week. Mm-hmm. That's is true. I I would be down to do I would do I'd be down to do fins. All right, let's let fuck it. Let's do fins. All right. Do All you right. wanna go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Give me what Erica. I am going to give Jaws. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it five fins up. Ooh, this is okay. a fucking good movie. This is a really good movie, and I just forget how good it is. Like, it's just so good. The writing, the acting, the directing across the board. I think is just uh, it just fits. Like everything just fits in a place. The score is iconic. The shark is iconic, and. It's like one of those things where now that I've rewatched it, I'm like, why did I let so much time go in between rewatches? Because this is just a fucking good movie. It's like, mm -hmm. I think a perfect balance of the horror mixed with the just kind of day to day life. And I love the way that the story unfolds. Yeah. I like both halves of it. And I think that they're both equally as good great ending great beginning and everything in the middle is like just as on par with the way that it opened and end it's just a solid film across mm -hmm. the board and i honestly don't think i would change anything about it and so for that reason five fins up for me Ooh, okay honestly i gotta match you five fins up i agree with everything you said <laughs> Jaws is kind of perfect. There's there's nothing within the scope of this movie that I would change. There's no moment that I think could use tweaking. Like er, like you said, everything feels iconic. It feels classic. It does have that nostalgia lens for me. But even now watching it as an adult, I appreciate it even more than I did as a kid. Like all the different intricacies and nuances and all the little details that make Jaws what it is. It's just brilliant, dude. It's such a good movie. Um, I think it is honestly the de facto shark movie. I don't, I just don't think you can or we ever will see something top Jaws. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I have yet to see that. Maybe we'll see that this week. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, if you want the shark movie, a perfect shark horror movie, look no further than Jaws five fins up for sure and that's it homies that is the breakdown for jaws if you guys would like to let us know what you think of jaws we would love to hear it you can talk to us on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or you can always email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com and today is Monday. If you're listening to this episode, the day that it comes out, which means that we are on Twitch tonight, hopefully 
playing a shark related game to be determined. But if you want to come through, hang out, chit chat with the homies, we would love to see you. The link for that is in our social media bios. And if you wanted to come through and talk to the homies in a different setting, you could always scoop into our Discord. The link for that is also in our social media bios. Discord is a place where we like to hang out, talk about all things spooky, and just check in with you guys and see how you're doing. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, we would love to see you in there as well. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners. And we just like to hear what you're thinking of the show. Or you can leave us just a rating on Spotify. It's very easy. Just go to our name. Go to the stars right underneath our name. Hit those and let us know what you're thinking. But that's it for Jaws. But not it for sharks. We will be seeing you again tomorrow with a brand new shark movie to talk about. So we will catch you then, homies. See you tomorrow, homies. Bye.